Hello, everyone. This is the Spartan Red Zone Podcast, your one and only source for all things college football, Michigan State football, Big Ten football, right here on the student voice of Michigan State Athletics, Impact 89FM. I'm Zach Sinetic, your host for the season. Returning from last year, taking over the host mic, joined by a new cast of faces, or voices, but soon-to-be faces. Stay tuned. I emoji in the chat. Zach Slowick joining me, along with Liam Jackson and Cam McLaren. We'll have them give an introduction to themselves in just a second. I will get mine out of the way, since I'm already talking, but... I'm a junior here. This is my second year on the football beat with Impact. I'm the sports broadcast director here at the station, and I'm super excited to spend the year and hopefully defend the Pick'em title, but we'll see. Slowick, on to you. Yeah, I'm Zachary Slowick. Um, also go by Zach, so it gets a little bit confusing up in the booth. <laughs> uh, I call football games with Sir Denick. Um I'm also the co-host of the Green and White Report. And I am the news director here at Impact 89 FM. Plug the Green and White Report and the news team. Go join news if you're an Impact person listening to this. Shout out, Slowick. My name is Liam Jackson. I am the sports editor. Um, I've been on multiple podcasts with uh, Zach Zerdenik here. Um, Happy to be on the football beat this year and give you all the best coverage possible. And... um, Hopefully have a lot of fun with all you guys do. Yeah, shout out to the warning track days back in COVID times. Warning track, courtside convo. Yeah. And hosted a green and white report. Yes, we did. Now we're here. Yep. Done it all. Called a baseball game. Yes, we did. Both will be co-hosting with me this week on the green and white report, which will air 11 to 1 p.m. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. this Sunday. Um, You can check it out. We will be live, and then the recording will also be posted later in the day. Plug, plug, plug. And then, yeah, to round out everybody, I'm Cam McLaren. I also go by Cameron. Um, This is my first year on the football beat as a senior, so it's really kind of a pleasure to be with you guys. After spending two years on the hockey beat, countless broadcasts, some podcasts of some not-so-very-good Michigan State hockey team, so glad to be moving on to a, a team that's got some promise. So thank you guys for having me this year. Well, we'll see how things go. We're going to start by recapping last week's game. First, I want to say that we apologize that we didn't have a season preview podcast out. We are in a brand new studio that you guys will hopefully get to see soon. We're in the process of getting some cameras up. Brand new sports studio here at Impact 89FM. And so while the renovations were being finished, we were unable to get in here. This is the first podcast being recorded in this studio. Green and White Report was on last Sunday from in here. But this is the first podcast being recorded in here. We're having fun with it. It's a cool new spot. They also forgot to save it, so there's no trace, so we're going to say this is the first one. Oh, yes, one. this is the first one. That is fully on our sports director, Mr. Brendan Chabath, Rip. because I asked, I handed him an SD card, said, don't forget to record it, 1140 comes around, and he tosses me the SD card during a little commercial break. So, all fun around here, though. This one will be recorded um, as... Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening to it. That's it. So... Um, we're going to start with a recap of Michigan State's week one victory over Western Michigan, 35-13 at the woodshed. It was an interesting one. Slowick, I know you and I were on the call. Let's go around to kind of say first, just what stood out to you from this game for Michigan State, both in a positive way and in a negative way. Go ahead, Slowick. Positively, it looks like the hole that was left by Kenneth Walker isn't going to be as large as many people around this football team has projected. 
Uh, Jalen Berger had a very nice game, averaging 7.5 yards per carry, 120 yards with a touchdown. Um, Peyton Thorne started a little bit slow would be my negative, uh, but he did kind of have one of those Brian Lewerke pre-injury Brian Lewerke games where doesn't look great, but he has the numbers and comes out on top. Pre-injury Brian Lewerke, I love the reference. Go ahead, Liam. Uh, positive for me would be um, would be definitely the the Brandon Jordan coach Brandon Jordan effect. Seven sacks, Jacoby Winman leading the charge with four of them, and it just seemed like uh, the edge rushers and even linebackers, including Ben Ben Van Sumeren, were just much faster, uh, much more athletic than than uh, Michigan State teams in the past. So that was a welcome uh, a welcome sight and a positive. I hope to see. Uh, moving forward the rest of the season, a negative that I would draw from last week's game was injuries. Um, Darius Snow has been touted all um, spring, all summer, all fall as basically one of the leaders of that defense, one of the leaders of the team. Um, he was playing a great game before. He's kind of a jack-of-all-trades on defense, um, really gave the opposing teams different looks lining up all over the field, so losing him with the uh, Achilles for the rest of the season. Um, it's definitely going to be something the Spartans are going to have to figure out, but that would be a negative I took from that one. Cam? And then for me, honestly, the positives, spreading the wealth, spreading the ball. You had four different players with touchdowns, Coleman, Mosley, Bernard, Barker. I mean, Barker with that sweet one-handed catch at the corner of the end zone. Just picture perfect, especially, I'm pretty sure, right in front of the deep end, too. So, no better way to get the crowd on their feet, but this for me, the other backs, or the one negative other than the injuries is just how inconsistent the offense was at times. It just didn't, it just seemed to sputter at times, especially in that third quarter, allowing Western to get back into the game. So for me, it's just kind of fixing up those kinks that you see, especially week one, week two on the offense. It was definitely an interesting game. And to give you guys all some context, I like to do this a little behind the scenes look. It is Wednesday night when we're recording this. All of us are in our. Different fantasy drafts right now. I'm on the clock, and I need your guys' quick advice. Jamar Chase, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Devonta Adams. Jamar Chase. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook's what I was thinking. All right, we have drafted Dalvin Cook, everyone. I have the Good eighth pick. You. I'm kind of surprised Cook fell that far. I, I'm at, I have the seventh pick right now, and this is one with a bunch of ex-impact and some current impact members. And I have the seventh pick, and we're on pick six right now. And currently, Austin Eckler and, and I'm going to take, ooh, now the real question. I'm a huge Najir, Najee, Najee Harris, Harris guy, and I'm kind of tossed up between him and Delvin. Um, Jamar I, Chase just went right after me in my league. So I, I'm going to stick to what I normally do and go with Najee, but let's get back to some college yes, football while we're drafting. back to the drafting. college football. Like I said, we like to give you guys a little behind the scenes in this because like a lot of you guys listening to this podcast... We are your everyday college sports fans and college students here in East Lansing at Impact. So my positive and negatives from these games, you guys kind of mentioned a lot of what I was thinking, but for for me, something that really stood out was the depth that Michigan State has at a lot of positions. I really liked what Kendall Brooks did when he came in for Xavier Henderson, who also went down with an injury. Mel Tucker said on Monday in his press conference that he is, quote, sore and he'll be ready when he's ready. If you're new to following Michigan State football, that could mean literally anything. 
We don't know what you're going to see from him. He was in street clothes on crutches at the end of the game on the sideline. You don't know how long he's going to be in or out of the lineup. And so I really liked what I saw from Kendall Brooks. Jaden Mangum was solid, the freshman, but he's going to take some time. But Kendall Brooks, I thought, filled in really well. He was a transfer last year from Ajuco, North Greenville, and looked good. I think that the depth there, we talked about Van Sumeren, we talked about Jacoby Winman was phenomenal with his four sacks. Berger on the offensive side. I really like the wide receiver depth too. Jeremy Bernard, Keon Coleman. I mean, Peyton Thorne had four touchdown passes. Jaden Reed had three targets. Two catches for 19 yards. Yeah, and uh, I mean, it's definitely something to kind of keep an eye on um, with that. The We'll start with the Xavier Henderson um, injury there. And that's something just to kind of watch as a fan or as somebody who's around the program. We have to all kind of look back to last year. Um, Mel Tucker said that it was Jacob Panashuk was sore. He had a broken tibia and fibia. He did come back in six weeks. um, And it's very rare for Mel to kind of announce that somebody is out for the year. He did do that with Darius Snow. So it definitely gives some hope um, to people around the program that Xavier Henderson could be returning at some point this year. We'll have to keep an eye on it going forward. I want to talk a little bit about Western because I really felt that that was a Western Michigan team that showed me flashes that they could be really good in the Mac, but also showed me some stuff that I wasn't too impressed with. Yeah, I think you saw they lost Sky Moore, what a great playmaker receiver. Um, to the NFL, but they replaced him with Corey Crooms, who um, heard a lot of great things um, from people around Western's program. I even heard uh, their offensive coordinator compared him to Greg Jennings when he was at Western Michigan. So I think that uh, this is a Western team that people will point to that the fact that it was a one-score game uh, in the fourth quarter, which was not the, the level that Mel has set um, since he's got here, especially last year. A lot of fans may have pressed the panic button just a tiny bit. But you look deeper into the stats, um, the longest reception they gave up was 22 yards. Uh, They held Western to under 200 rushing yards and a long, uh, that included a long scramble from the quarterback Selipak on third down. Um, So I I really think that uh, this is a Western team that will probably finish in the top half of the MAC. And although MSU... Um, didn't maybe beat them as bad as a lot of fans hoped. I, I don't think that that's a bad team that they played, and I think that that is a pretty good starting point for the season. And I think they also showed a few flashes, but there were their small bursts of lightning were just overshadowed with the long stretches of thunder that came with ball security. You have one fumble on a running back of a Kendall Brooks hit, which is why I think your point, Zach, or Sir Danik, about Kendall Brooks being into that lineup is just a, it's a huge lift up to see somebody who's able to lay like that much force especially on a hit but the second fumble was because your offensive lineman can't block no offense but the offensive line for Western Michigan did not step up to the shoes that they needed to if they were going to show flashes against Michigan State they did enough to make it a one score game into the fourth but ball security as a component of your offensive line not blocking and not getting your your blocking right, that just that can't happen, especially if you're going to try to make a splash in the MAC. Yeah, I mean that was a 
top tier hit laid on by Kendall Brooks. I mean, he blew him up. But with that being said, I think that we also have to, I just need, for my own sanity, I need to make sure that we get on this air that there is no way from the look we saw in the stadium that that fumble from Jalen Berger was a fumble. No. Just no, chance, no way. Right? The, the reverse hit, the reverse angle of it shows his knee down clearly. Yeah, his knee was down and it was like almost as if his body was on its way completely down. And then he got lifted up and then that's the one that we, we saw later where his body's on top of the pile when the ball came out. I don't know that the TV crew had the same angle. That's what I was going to... From uh, Press Row, I know you guys didn't have no, we a did view not. of the TV, but uh, ESP, on ESPN's broadcast, I don't know what the refs were seeing, but on ESPN's broadcast, they did not show the angle that it showed in the stadium of Berger's uh, knee being down. I think that's why you got the reaction from the fans. And I think they said the call was confirmed. And no, they that, overturned it. No, well, they con- oh, no, 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 they, no, they, they confirmed they, it. You're they, right, you're right, so you're right. They apparently there was um, evidence in their eyes the other way that it was for sure a fumble. So I just I don't I I think the refs just didn't have that uh, camera angle, which was surprising to me that uh, seventy six thousand people in the stands got to see something that the refs weren't able to. So yeah, I shout out to Spartan Vision. Uh, those are a lot of great people there. I thought it was hilarious what they did because they stopped it. They put it on the screen as soon as they said call confirmed and they put the replay with that angle on the screen and then just stopped it and let it sit there and just let people marinate on the call. But that's pretty much where I was at. I want to ask you guys one thing. Wait, first, do you guys have anything else on that game? The only thing I would just like to touch on really quick is the the amount of depth in that tight end room. Uh, Liam and myself, uh, self or talking just a little bit about how long it's been since Michigan State has had a very good tight end and it looks like they might have a couple in there um, and all of them can kind of do different things and it was nice to see all of them have at least one reception and on most of them had multiple targets in that one um, just one more note I agree I was saying um, I think Daniel Barker might be the best tight end MSU's had since Josiah Price which is a long time oh a long time ago now, which is weird to, to think about. But one more weird note was that Malik Bar or Malik Barker, Daniel Barker, um, tight end uh, sweep, and then he comes in and then in motion, they hand him the ball uh, on a third down. He does convert, but he had as many carries in the first quarter as Jarek Broussard, which I was very surprised to see. I don't think that that will happen again. But I, that play calling was uh, a bit odd to me, I would say, but was. A little fun to watch. Yeah, the jet sweep on third down on the first possession to your tight end was interesting. But the two tight end wing offense was amazing to watch in that first quarter. The first two drives, yes, we're going back to the, the old school days. It was a fun, fun first game for Michigan State. All right, I got to put you guys on the spot. We were going to do this at the end of the season preview episode last week. It didn't happen. So over under for Michigan State this season is seven and a half. You've cheated a little bit. You've seen a little more about them. So I might change your answer. This is not including a bowl game. We're going to go around. We'll go reverse order this time. We'll start with Cam. Does Michigan State win over or under seven and a half games? And over. why? Give me at least eight. Why? I'm hammering eight. So I think your guaranteed losses are, I hate to say this, but it's probably 
OSU at home, and I would take Michigan away just because I don't think that it's one thing for Lightning to strike twice, but I have never heard Lightning striking thrice in a row. So for for Mel Tucker to go into the big house and squeak out his third consecutive victory over a Michigan team that is literally trying to prove its identity is not a one-hit wonder just does not sit well with me as much as being an off-this-podcast Michigan State fan. That would kill me to say that. And then your your only other loss is either Penn State away or Wisconsin. So for me, I see OSU and Michigan as the guaranteed two losses. Every other place, I mean, every other game, you've got a fighting chance. That Wisconsin game is going to be the measure of what this team really has. It's early in the season. It's homecoming weekend, too. It's parents weekend, the first time that Michigan State's had a parents weekend, I think, in a long time. So if they win that game, you're guaranteed at least eight to nine wins. To be a contrarian... I guess I would go under, but I think it the it's gonna I, my um, prediction is seven to nine wins, and I'll just go on the low end of that and say seven. If this was if we did record before week one, I would be all in on the over. I think that was disrespectful, but the fact that Darius um, suffered that injury and uh, we're unsure about the extent of uh, Xavier Henderson's injury, Washington in two weeks scares me as if I'm uh as for like for that Michigan State team and the first Big 10 game at home uh Minnesota uh if Henderson isn't back then that also scares me a little bit that's a veteran team with a veteran quarterback um and then like Cam said Ohio State and Michigan are two very tough games so there's a lot of a lot a lot of games that are just um toss-ups right now and the depth is really going to be tested so I think seven to nine and just to be different I guess I'll go under with seven I'm gonna have to take the over on it I see them losing two to three games in out of the five uh Minnesota Ohio State uh Wisconsin Michigan Penn State I have them losing two to three out of those um really any team with a mobile quarterback does frightened me more coming into week two than it did week one. Um, coming into week one, we had one of the best open field tacklers um, in the country and Darius Snow. Sadly, he'll miss the rest of the season. Um, and he played such a huge role in just uh, being able to spy on those quarterbacks and kind of just shadow them and make sure that they don't scamper for a lot of yards. And it was seen pretty quickly, almost immediately after he left the game, um, Salapak was able to run for over 50 yards on a rush. So I think that he does make a huge difference on that defense. Um, so I'm going to move mine from originally having the two losses to probably that on that three side, um, but I'm still taking the over at seven and a half. I'm also going to take the over. I just think that this team has so much offensive talent and so much depth all around the field that I think they get to eight wins. I don't know how they get to eight wins, I don't know what games they lose. Washington scares me. Minnesota scares me. Pretty much everything scares me at this point. <laughs> but also, I could see them winning pretty much every game on their schedule. Every team I've seen that's on their schedule has flaws. I mean, you're going to hear in just a minute about how highly I think of Washington. I know that's a little week ahead, but 
I don't love that game if I'm Michigan State. They go on the road and win that game. It's going to change the perception of how I feel about this team for sure. But I do still think that even if they don't get that one, they get to eight. I think if they don't get out of Washington, I think they can take one of Minnesota, Ohio State, Michigan, or Penn State at least. And if they take one of those games, I know everybody's talking about Maryland. I'm not as worried about Maryland, but Maryland early in the year is scary because Maryland always just decides to stop caring midway through the year. But I don't know if October 1st has hit that point yet. So Maryland could be good. At least it's not September Maryland. Oh, September Maryland is... September Maryland is a team that no one in the country wants to face. I don't even, I'll be honest with you, I don't even know what Maryland did last week. I know they won because the Big Ten East is that and the SEC East are the only two divisions in football with every team undefeated. Uh, Maryland. Oh, Maryland beat Buffalo 31 to 10. Okay. Either way, I don't know, but that's where I'm at. So I'm going to take over as well. That'll move us into. One of my favorite parts of the show, the players of the week. And you got to make sure you peep the names here because they're always top tier. We always take some time on them. So the SRZ, UNC App State Offensive Player of the Week. If you didn't watch that game, it was 63-61. Wild, terrible football IQ from UNC. Just go down after fielding the the onside kick and you win the game. You don't have to deal with the App State getting a two-point conversion there. But nonetheless, SRZ, UNC App State, Offensive Player of the Week. Let's start with Slook. And I am going to take the Appalachian State quarterback, Chase Bryce, who put up 61 points and still lost. So their defense will not be winning defensive player or anything of the week, uh, but he had a phenomenal game. Um, Matt Merrifield, a good friend of the program uh, here, uh, was pretty upset about that one. He said he went out to eat after, and even the guys at the restaurant were talking about it, and it really hurt his heart. Bad but beat. I'm going to go with Chase Bryce. Yeah, I'm going to go with Anthony Richardson, quarterback out of Florida, uh, just an electric player. I think that his draft stock is going to rise throughout the season. He showed how athletic he could be. Um, with a little 360 pump fake, uh, finding a receiver in the back of the end zone for uh, a two-point conversion, beat a top-10 team at home opening week under the lights. Um, just the type of performance you want to have as a quarterback kind of on the bubble of a of a top-tier draft prospect, and I think that um, he'll really prove himself as the year goes on. For me, it is a brand-new transfer-wide receiver of the University of Arizona and Jacob Cohen. Eight receptions, 152 yards, three tutties over San Diego State last weekend for the Wildcats' first road victory since a October 5th game back in 2019 against Colorado. Good for the former UTEP transfer. We do not give a lot of love to the University of Texas El Paso Miners. Not a very good team. I saw them play Top once. Top tier mascot, though. Top tier mascot. Saw them play a game against SMU. They got the lights blown out of them. Understandably. So good for Jacob. All right. My offensive player of the week, Michael Penix. I talked about Washington. I was really impressed with what the Huskies were able to do against Kent State. Michael Penix transferred from Indiana, won the starting job, 345 yards, four touchdowns in a blowout win for the Huskies. They've got Portland State this week. Not really going to be tested. 
I'm curious to see where things go from there. Now moving on to the Defensive Player of the Week. It is the SRZ UCLA Home Crowd Defensive Player of the Week. Nothing helps your opponent more than the road team coming in and there being no crowd whatsoever. And if you saw pictures of it, that's that's what it was. It was brutal at the Rose Bowl. New record low for a home game at the Rose Bowl. I saw UCLA fans on Twitter try to claim that it's because the undergrads weren't there, but I don't think undergrads are going to fill up 60,000 more seats. In their defense, it was about 10,000 degrees in LA this past weekend, but point remains. So let's go reverse order this time. So it'd be you. Okay, I'll go first. I was going to... Okay, yeah, that works. Um, I'm going to go with Jacoby Winman. Um, I'm going to take the hometown crowd. I'm going to take the guy from Michigan State. Transfer from UNLV. Four sacks. Already talked about him a ton. Going to be super fun to watch. Him moving from linebacker to the end. For me, it's going to be a shared honor between Tommy Thigpen and Charlton Warren. If their names do not ring a bell, well, they should because they are the co-defensive coordinators for the University of North Carolina and they are my defensive player of the week for allowing 40 points to Appalachian State in the fourth quarter and still not losing. I'm going to go with Shaheem Brown, Florida State. Um, this specific player brought me much joy. As Though I don't root against anybody, I do find it pretty funny when Brian Kelly fails, especially at LSU. So Shaheem Brown blocked the extra point in that crazy Florida State-LSU game. Um, LSU... Thought they were going to overtime. Everyone uh, in the world thought they were going yeah, to overtime. Just had to punch in that extra point. Shaheem Brown got his hand in there, and chaos ensued. So what a game. What a player. Thank you, Shaheem Brown. I'm going to take one of the Heisman favorites and Will Anderson Jr. from Alabama. He played one half. He had five tackles, and it was very impressive how easily he did not get blocked um, it looks like the other team was just purely terrified of him and would rather run away from him and let them destroy their running backs than try to get in his way. Now moving on to the Joey Ellis Memorial Powerhouse Frame Unit of the Week. So that is basically can be anything. I'm actually changing mine right now. If you don't know who Joey Ellis is, Joey Ellis was a former Impact alum and a an SRZ host and co-host here at the Impact and now is killing it with WILX back in the area, working at News 10. And so shout out Joey, but this can be legitimately anything. I'm going to start and give my example. I changed it. I hope I'm not taking anybody's because I changed what I had on there, but it's not the one that's on there, so we will see. Um, I'm going to go with Robert Griffin III for his color commentary debut in the uh, Michigan-Colorado State game. I'm not going to say exactly what he said, but just a very hilarious viral moment um, from Robert Griffin III. You can look it up if you want to, but go ahead. Uh, Mine is going to be the lovely reporter who told Brian Kelly that maybe she would be on time if he (laughs) won a game. Top tier. Uh, and then, which then caused Brian Kelly to go into a, a little fit and blame somebody other than himself, like he always does. Um, but th- that wonderful lady is 100% my 
star of the week. Understandable. My powerhouse unit of the week is going to just be Kirby Smart trying to be nice to his former assistant, um, playing Oregon, beating him 49-3 to when asked about it after. He simply just said, we just have better players than they do, which um, I know he was trying to be nice, but that is very condescending and very upsetting if you're an Oregon fan. Very with, accurate, with though. Ma- the true, very accurate. They stacked some of their better recruiting classes in a long time with Mario Cristobal, and it still looked like they were playing a different sport. Uh, Georgia is insane. For me, my unit of the week has to go to the ESPN pundits for saying for at least the past like five days that the Pac-12 is done. It's not even one week into the <laughs> into the season, and the Pac-12 was already written off before the college football playoff. So good for them. Is the Pac-12 cooked? I believe so. I, there's there's no team that I see that really sparks an eye or sparks anything in my eye going forward. So other than Utah, but even then Utah and Florida, just I'm sorry, Utah. Sorry to the Utes. So with that done, we'll move on to this week in the Big Ten. Just going to give everybody all the games for the Big Ten. Tell me one game that stands out with the exception of Michigan State-Akron, which right after this we're going to dive into our preview for about 10-15 minutes, then get into pick them and wrap things up. So, this week in the Big Ten, the marquee game of the week, obviously, is at noon, and it is Ohio State hosting Arkansas State. Obviously, is the marquee game of the week. That and Michigan-Hawaii. Those are going to be some nail-biters right there. Minnesota hosting Western Illinois. Another game that should be pretty fun to watch. Duke-Northwestern. Ohio is at Penn State. This is, in all seriousness, probably the marquee game from the Big Ten. There are two of them that I would have an eye on. But Washington State at Wisconsin should be a fun one. 3.30 game on Fox in Madison. Maryland is at Charlotte. Akron at Michigan State. Iowa State at Iowa. The other game I'm kind of watching, but I don't know after that last performance. That was just atrocious from Iowa. Virginia and Illinois. Indiana State, Purdue, Wagner and Rutgers, Georgia Southern and Nebraska, Hawaii and Michigan, and Idaho at Indiana. So those are your games for the week. Are there any others besides the two that I mentioned that you're keeping an eye on, or is it pretty much those guys? Uh, The Northwestern Duke one I think can get a little bit interesting. Duke looked really good against Temple last week. Um, Northwestern didn't play last week. They played the week before in um, Ireland. And so I believe that one, I think that one's going to be a pretty good ball game. Um, I wouldn't mind tuning into that from Spartan Stadium. I think El Clasico with, um, I believe Iowa is favored in that the one. The Cyhawk? Yeah. And uh, whatever the under is. You have <laughs> spam to it. A, yeah, I mean. The under can be five and you might have to spam it anyways. That game does usually provide a whole lot of entertainment, but. I don't know if a whole lot of points will be. The over under is 40 and a half. 100% yeah. on the under. Yeah, I agree. But so. disclaimer do not blame us for any bets that you make. You are making your bets on your own choices, not on ours. Feel free to fade or take these picks as much as you want, but that's on you. Yeah, so, and we've seen some great games in the past. It is a rivalry game. The skill might not be as high as it has been on the field in past years. But I think that's the game I'm most looking forward to um, around the Big Ten this week. Yeah, I mean, other 
Iowa State, Iowa is always fun to watch, at least in my opinion, Big Ten, Big 12. So even though the talent's not there, as I mean, I just watched Brees Hall get picked up in my fantasy draft. So no Brees Hall for the Cyclones. So sad for them. But the only other game that I'd be looking forward to is Wisconsin against Wazoo. I love Wazoo ever since hearing about Minshew Mania. So that'd be the only other game that I would perhaps watch, even though it's at 3.30. So. The GOAT Gardner Minshew. The GOAT, the Stash King. All right, so now let's jump into Michigan State-Akron. This is going to be a shorter preview than we're going to get for a lot of these games because just flat out, Akron's been really rough. Akron 1-0 on the season, but winning in overtime against St. Francis of Pennsylvania. I mean, that's not the game that's going to inspire the most hope. So I'll go last on this. I'll let you guys go first. What are... What is the one big storyline you're looking at for this, for our quick preview for this game? Jaded Reed, three targets, three catches, two touchdowns, 40 yards, and he doesn't see more than the first quarter. I think that would be ideal for all Michigan State fans. Um, I think with all the injuries they have, they definitely need... Um, to get some of those young bodies in there. They have a lot of very talented young people. Um, so I'm hoping um, that they could possibly see at least two, possibly three quarters of play in that one. In all honesty, I think the most important part about this game for the Spartans is to get out as healthy as possible because Akron got outgained um Went to overtime with St. Francis of Pennsylvania, outgain. Uh, St. Francis won the time of possession. Um, I mean, this is just an Akron team who, quite frankly, should not even be on the same field as the Spartans. So um, get out as healthy as possible, and um, they're going to have to get— um, you can never, ever, ever overlook a game, but Washington in two weeks, um, I think you can overlook a little bit for this one. To me, I would just say the defense can't allow more than 10 points in the first half at all. That That's kind of unacceptable against the Akron team. Now, mind you, once if you if it's already 35 nothing by the time you get to four minutes left in the half, then you have a little bit of wiggle room. I just think that the defense needs to come out and show what they did in signs of that game against Western. And then the offense, just you literally have free reign to do almost whatever you want. I would not be surprised if Keon Coleman scores a touchdown on a jet sweep. Like, let, just bring out the stops. Get some reps doing things that you haven't done in a while. I'm not saying that, you know, this is a pushover game, but in all honesty, it kind of is. But you really just want to see the Michigan State team that everybody had looked forward to and had said was going to be the case going into this season, especially going into Western that you didn't see, especially in that first half. So just, as Liam said, get there, get out cleanly, and do what you need to do. So... Let's just quickly at freezing cold takes for all of us, by the way, while we're giving these. Because... I will I will wear that if that if it comes down to that, I will proudly wear that one. I just um but yes, I agree. Yeah, so I don't think this game's gonna be close either. We're gonna talk about it in the pick'em in a minute, but I wanna see Peyton Thorne look comfortable. And then I wanna see Noah Kim and Kaden Hauser. I wanna see Michigan State get in, put up points. Get your starters out of the game. Don't risk another injury. Just 
let yourself start to feel comfortable going into Washington. Get in a rhythm and get going. Don't do anything stupid. Don't risk an injury unnecessarily. Don't get yourself in a tough spot. Just make sure that you're good and feel good about yourself going into a stretch. Washington, Minnesota, Maryland, which can be a tough game on the road like we talked about. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Michigan. That's a brutal stretch. You have to be ready to go for that. I'm also very curious to see how Jaden Reed looks. We saw him hobble off a little bit midway through that game. He came back in, but he was dealing with that injury last year with the foot. Something to keep an eye on going into this week. And that's what I've got to say. Anything else on this game from you guys? I would just like to clarify, I, although we say um, how much of a pushover this game should be, um, I know for a fact that the team isn't... Uh, their practices aren't any easier this week. Um, I know that they're everyone still game planning for this game, still practicing very hard. And I know that, um, like Mel said in the press conference uh, last week, he said it's a very mature team, and they didn't. He said he liked what they, he saw from them in the locker room last week, and they, that they knew they needed to be better, even though um, they won thirty-five to thirteen. Uh, they weren't satisfied. So I know that this team um, isn't taking this game lightly, and they will try to make a statement uh, on Saturday and and uh, play a very clean game. All right, so let's go into the Pick'em here tonight. We've got five games. You guys are all new to the Pick'em, but I'm sure that you know how Pick'ems work. We're going to pick these games by the spread. You guys can pick along with us at home and keep track of your records. Tweet at us your picks, though, because we got to make sure you're not cheating on us. If you come out and say you go 5-0 and every week, you better have those receipts. But last year... I was pick them champions, surprisingly. I was not very confident coming in. Um, I'll share my tips at the end of the season for you guys. Can't give them now, though. It's not like they're very obvious. They you definitely could never be that. But I was in first. Aiden Champion was in second. Nathan Stearns, our former sports broadcast director, and your former host here was not the greatest. He, he struggled his way to a last-place finish. But we're back at it this year. We're going to start with... We pick four big games and then the Michigan State game. I say big somewhat. Um, There's a game on there in this week that I don't know would really count as a big game. It's just a game with an interesting spread, and the slate is admittedly kind of weak this week around college football. There's some big games at the top, though, especially the second two I'm really excited about. But starting things off, we're going to go to Mr. Slowick with his first pick. Alabama minus 20 against Texas. Yeah, I'll never not take the Crimson Tide to cover, especially against Texas, um, who is absolutely not back. Um, No matter what Sam Ellinger says, I'm going to take Bama to cover at least 20. I expect them to win more by like 30. Um, So, but that is a really tough line. That's a pretty good spot that they, that Vegas put on that one. Vegas knows everybody. Liam? Uh, although I do like Quinn Ewers, I think Texas is... Don't say it. Not Don't bad, say it. Not back, but oh, they're okay. Um, I mean, people might say they want Bama, but you never want Bama. Um, so I will take Alabama to cover as well. Um, but I do I do think Texas might hang around a bit longer than people think. I think Alabama will pull away maybe halfway through the third quarter. I don't know if it'll be a blowout instantly, but I think that the, it'll end up that way. Cam? As your resident Texan on this podcast, 
I am going to pick Bama. And it's not even going to be close. Horns down all the way. Quinn Ewers can go back to Ohio State for all I care. You know what? The kid's probably up in South Lake Carroll right now just hanging out with his bros back in high school. <laughs> like all of his high school bros that did not leave Texas. Like no offense, Quinn. Like you're in the Frosted Tips Wonderland at South Lake Carroll. But like, bro, you are in college. You are legit a starting quarter you are a quarterback at Texas and Texas is not even going to be in this game it's not it's no it's done he it's also over. he also doesn't know how to park his car legally <laughs> yeah, it sounds like towed. how do you get towed at your own game bro tell, tell us how you really feel Cam honestly like I swear to God Texas will not be back at all this year they are still back in the dark ages bro they're not coming close Bama before, covering before I let Zach Take his other pick. I would like to say that mullet is pretty rad, though. Oh, it is. Fair. It is. Um, We all know where I'm going. If you guys listened to this podcast last year, you know how I made my money. Uh, don't pick against Bama, ever. Bama to cover. Um, Especially after you three picked Bama, I will ride with um where you guys are at. Can't lose in that one. All right. The next game, this might be the most anticipated game of the weekend for me. I'm really excited to watch this game, and it's a late one, so I can get back and watch this one. Baylor and BYU. BYU minus three. We're going to start with Liam. Um, I also am very excited to watch this game. Should have been uh, game day should be here. Yes. Uh, also, I don't even know. What, oh, are they Alabama, Texas? It is Texas. Alabama, Texas. Yeah. Pat McAfee will be making his, not debut, but his debut as a full-time member on game day. Um, I'm going to take BYU by, or BYU's favorite by three. I'll take Baylor. Don't know if they'll win, but I think that they will um, – cover those three points I just uh just don't know how um how confident I am in BYU yet they always seem to have a decent team um and I don't know I'm not 100% confident in this one but I'm gonna go with Baylor this is probably a hot take but I've got my left arm in the air my hands it's it's shivering I'm sick I'm bears and they're gonna win outright Mm. my brother goes to Baylor that river is not clear. Do not swim in that river at all. But I'm telling you, Baylor, if there's any team in Texas besides a D2 team that uh, of an old person that I used to know, Tarleton, besides that team being back, Baylor. Baylor's on its way. So I'm going to make a take here, and it's not necessarily about my pick because I gotta. I want to make sure I get to my pick in a second. But if BYU wins this game, BYU makes the college football playoff. That's my... That's my projection because this is a top 10 win and it's a big game. And then after that, the schedule kind of lightens up. I think if BYU wins this game, they make the playoff. Now, with that being said, they don't win this game. Give me Baylor to at least cover. I love BYU, but I really like Baylor a little bit more. So give me the Bears. Slug, are you making it four for four? Yeah, I am. I was going to go Baylor no matter what. I have not, I've never been a huge Brigham Young guy. Um, I tried to go there one time in NCAA in a franchise mode, and they're atrocious. So that was probably <sighs> what year did that game come out? 2014. That was probably 2015. I'm still holding a grudge. You have to go Bears. Dynasty mode is the way to go. I can't wait for that new one. If EA ruins it, I'm going to be so depressed. All right, this one hopefully will get some change in us, but I don't know that it will honestly. All right, Kentucky, Florida Gators minus six. Cam to you, Florida. Upset over Utah. I've got the Gators. 
I don't like this because I've got a feeling we're all going there. I'm it's going okay. with Florida as we well. Liam, I can see Sloak already doing the Gators. I can't <laughs> wait for cameras for this. All right, Liam, please save us and go Kentucky. I'm not just saying it to save us. I oh, let's do go. Think, although I hyped up Anthony Richardson, I think it is kind of ridiculous for Florida to jump all the way to 12, 13, wherever they're at. I think that Kentucky, um, I think that uh, Kentucky is being just disrespected, crazy with. Um, with that, uh, with that line, I saw Billy Napier, Ed Feud of the Fire, say they were a development program or a program in development. Ooh. I think that Kentucky's going to come out, and I think that Kentucky is going to, at the very least, cover. They might win that game. I agree um, that things are going to be interesting in that game, and I also agree that Florida shouldn't have jumped that high, but I really like where Billy Napier has that Florida team. Oh, I love Billy Napier as well, and I think that LSU is Yes. LSU fans are going to shambles. hate that they let him uh, walk and they went for what was supposedly the bigger fish with Brian Kelly because I think Billy Napier is an unbelievable coach. And I do think Florida is a great team, but I think that Kentucky um, is going to thrive off disrespect. So that's that's why I have them. And Hunter Gillum, if you're listening to this, I know you're probably not, but if you are, I apologize for not taking Kentucky. Shout out Hunter Gillum, though. Uh College baseball player transferring from Longwood to Kentucky. He is a beast. But I'm not taking your Wildcats. I'm sorry. Give me Florida to win that game and to cover the minus six. Um, I'm realizing I've taken... Oh, no, I took the underdog in the Baylor game. I was going to say I've taken all favorites, and that's scaring me. But this one will get something out of us. Michigan, Hawaii, Wolverines minus 51. It's me first. Oh, I so badly want to take Hawaii... We're taking Hawaii. I don't think Michigan covered. Uh, yes, I do. Hawaii is really bad. I watched <laughs> Vanderbilt, Hawaii. Michigan's going to cover that spread. I don't want to put it, but I'm going to put it. I do think Michigan is a little bit high for my liking. And this is not just as someone who goes to Michigan State. There's someone looking at them. I still think they're going to be probably better than Michigan State. But I think that I don't like, or I've yet to see from them, what they have at the pass rush to replace Hutchinson and Ajabo and where they're going to be at. I don't like the way their quarterback situation seems to be turning out. Their locker room situation scares me with that. I don't know anything inside, but from the outside looking in, it scares me. I'm a little wary of them, but they will beat Hawaii. Hawaii is absolutely atrocious. And with that said, though, forever and always, go Rainbow Warriors. You want to talk about dynasty on NCAA football. Hawaii is the place to go. I got Michigan winning that game by 49. Give me the Rainbow Warriors. Uh, I will be different, and I, it's JJ's first start. I think Hawaii is going to keep it a little bit closer. I think it's going to be 56-7, to seven. and that's a cover. <laughs> I would love that to be the cover. Um, you, this is very painful as a um, lifelong Michigan hater. Um, <laughs> lifelong Michigan hater yikes so I have to go with Michigan to cover and I think that the reason being is I think that uh, this this I hope that I'm wrong because I've never um, prescribed to this idea that the next Michigan quarterback is finally the one but I do think J.J. McCarthy is for real and I do think that he is going to just put like put on a show against Hawaii going to prove that he should be QB1 and I don't think Cade McNamara starts another game after this game um, so 
Yeah, and even if he and I'm sure Cade will get some snaps, and he's going to want to prove himself too. And it is still Hawaii, and I'm sure he'll put up numbers. So those two are just out of spite or out of hate for each other, out of wanting to be QB one. It's going to be a bloodbath, and I think Michigan's going to cover that. I've said this already a couple times, but I cannot wait for you guys at home to be able to watch this on a YouTube video where you can see our reactions to this. Because the facial expressions from all of us, the entire episode, are always hilarious. You don't understand how bad I would love to come back to this clip at the end of the year and laugh at it myself with all of you guys together and just laugh about how wrong I was and how it's always the next, the backup quarterback at Michigan is always the greatest quarterback in the country. And I know that I've <laughs> Joe heard that. Yeah, so I would gladly eat my words. I would gladly laugh at this later on in the season if it is false. I just, I think that J.J. McCarthy is finally, um, I think he's finally that quarterback that uh, Michigan's been claiming they've had for over a decade. So my question is to you, when are people going to start talking about that Jake Rudock might have been the best quarterback that Harbaugh has had? I think statistically he definitely is. I think... Cade had a better team for sure, but Rudock, that was kind Rudock of a, was a baller. Yeah, they kind of, uh, he kind of, he was, uh, that was the very, 2015. Yeah, very yeah. underrated. Should have beat MSU until, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that we, game. We can talk about that forever. And we ever, get, but. everyone gets so like caught up in that game. They've seen it so many times they become numb to it. But if you really sit and think about it, how crazy that ending actually was. Better than the, better than, Alabama, Auburn. Great. I mean, it was just nuts. Like, the game is over. The fans were getting ready to come on the field. There is 10 seconds left. All he has to do is kick the ball. I saw some people saying he should have dove on the ball. He should not have dove on the ball. They were at the 25-yard line. If he dives on the ball, Michigan State has it and can kick a field goal. He just needed to kick the ball away. That's it. But he didn't. And Jay Jackson scored a touchdown on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> Because he had trouble with the snap, everyone, if you if you didn't know. Cam. I forgot we were still doing this. <laughs> uh, I As much as I would love to see Hawaii just scrounge a couple of points, the kind of adopted Michigan State fan in me is crying on the inside right now because, I'm sorry, Rainbow Warriors, but there's no way that you guys even come close to within 51 points. It's going to be a bloodbath in the first half, and I, I'm not watching this game. I'm not turning it on. So give me Michigan, and it's just not even going to be close. Sorry, Rainbow Warriors. I'll be absolutely happy to fade any everyone every single time. I'll do it. <laughs> I'll change all my picks. Let's see what you're doing right now in this one because uh, you're going to get us started here. It's Michigan State Akron minus thirty four and a half. Cover. Michigan State covers. Next. Okay. Michigan Liam. State by six. No, I'm. I think they win by thirty five. Liam, I'll go MSU to cover, and I think um, a stat that hasn't been brought up yet. MSU, uh, as of as it stands right now, leads the Big Ten in uh, the amount mm. of forty yard plays they've had. They've hit four of them. So I think that, and and that is with. Uh, Th- Peyton Thorne early in the game missing a couple deep balls that he usually hits so it could have been even more than 40 so I think that we'll see some more big plays early on with the starters and I still think the MSU's backups are better than any player Ak- or any starter Akron's going to have out there uh, generally speaking so I don't think it really matters uh, starters, backups, MSU will cover I think Keon 
Berger, and Reed cover. I think just those three players in general will have more points to cover the spread. Can I say I would? Uh, I want to see. I also want to see Broussard because I think Broussard's going to break at least one of those forty-yard plays. I think he showed a lot of uh, promise in the few carries that he got. He wasn't on campus for as long as Berger, but he can get to his top speed very quickly. He can hit a hole very hard. He's not as strong or as big as Berger, but the big play potential with Broussard is there, and he's going to make some big plays this year. So I, I think that he'll he'll get it. He'll kind of show. Uh, that potential more this week. Yeah. I think it's going to be a very interesting game. Like for me, I don't see how the the running back room doesn't go over two fifty in this game. I I'm hesitant to say that because I'm hesitant on the offensive line. Um, I mean, this is the game where it, like if you want a confidence boost, like I'll tell you about confidence boosts. Division two and Division one swimming programs will recruit very bad swimmers to make their good swimmers feel good in practice. That's brutal. So <laughs> let's not expose them like that. And you know how I know because I was recruited by a Division two school, Oof. and my buddy who was recruited by a Division one school said, "Yeah, they recruit bad people so the good people feel better about themselves." That's so brutal to get it, told that though. This, super. This is super. the prove yourself game if you're the MSU offensive line. If you want to feel good at the end of the day, you allow two. You allow two to three, possibly even four backs to go for over two hundred. 50 yards combined. I say I super hot take coming if healthy, and that's a huge if. We didn't see any of him in week one. If healthy, I believe Elijah Collins and Harold Joyner together will rush for 150 yards in the second half. Ooh, I like that's that. That's a really I hot like take. Add Jordan I... Simmons into it. Those three will rush for Somebody 150 in the down. second half, and I will be dancing along the way. Yeah, I'm out on that take. Um, I'd love to see it. I love Elijah Collins, but I am I'm I, out. I think on those that are going to be Broussard's carries if if Berger's sitting. Yeah, I'm out on that take. But with that being said, everybody, it was a lot of fun. We're getting close to an hour here on this podcast. It's been a blast. We're excited to bring this to you every week. These are going to be dropping right before game day. Going to drop these on Friday mornings, I believe, was the plan. So. This will be out Friday morning. If you're listening to this Friday, great. If you're listening to it Saturday on your way to the game, great. If you're listening to it Sunday after the game and just want to laugh at us, sounds great. Make sure you can reach all of us on Twitter. My at is at Zach Serdetic, and this will be on the WDBM Sports Twitter, at WDBM Sports. Slow, you guys can go around to say where they can get you guys and where they can tweet yeah. at you about your terrible picks. I'm, uh, I'm at Slowick77, and my, little, my thing is Slow McNasty. And I will go to the grave being known as that. So slow McNasty for life. Yeah, you guys can make fun of me at Liam Jackson fifteen twenty five. Um please don't try to hurt my feelings too bad. <laughs> yeah, Liam Liam will he'll take it to heart. I'm too sensitive. <laughs> you guys can reach me at at Cam underscore McLaren. Um, that last name is M C C L A R R E N because some people still can't spell it and I've been working with them for three years. So See, the trick is, I didn't say how to spell my last name, so nobody can yell at me because they don't know how to spell Serdenic. Well, they can yell at me because half the people will not tweet at me because half the people don't care about me. At least not yet. Until they see, <laughs> until they hear my take about college swimming programs. In that case, we're good. We I love goaded. it. Let's not, let's not get the Michigan State community on college swimming programs, though. Yeah, that's Anyways, true. back to it here next week. We're excited, but we can't let you go before plugging two things. One. Saturday, 4 p.m., WDBM, 
ImpactA9FM.org online. Listen live link. The Impact A9FM app. You can listen there. Or if you're in the Lansing, East Lansing area at 88.9 FM, you can catch myself and Mr. Slowick on the call of the game for Michigan State Akron from Spartan Stadium at 4 o'clock. And the Green and White Report on Sunday with Slowick, myself, and Liam. Should be a lot of fun. 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can find those in all the same spots. We're glad you tuned in. It's been a lot of fun. You can catch us, like I said, every Friday right here. This has been the Spartan Red Zone Podcast on Impact 89 FM.